Then he came to Bethesda, and they brought to him a blind man that begged him to touch him. Listen to this. Listen to what it's saying here. So he took the blind man, and he led, them out of, led him out of town. There's a picture here. He's doing all of this in front of the disciples alone. Do you know why? They're the ones taking the hope to the world. Not the thousand on the periphery, but the handful in the middle. Look what he says here. And he said he spit in his eyes, put his hands on him, and when he asked him what he saw, he said, I see men like trees walking around. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus ever need to pray twice for something? He did here. What was this all about? Remember that eyes to see, you can't see? Ears to hear, you can't hear? He said, can't you understand? You know what Jesus is doing right here? He's showing them them. He said, you guys are believing halfway. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Last week, I ministered a message that I titled, It's Not the Bait, It's the Bite. And I had intended it to be a standalone message just because I... I, uh, was looking at it, and the, the, the importance of the message was just very specific. So much did God use that message, and I've heard from all of y'all. I almost preached it again today. I remember years ago, there was a young pastor that was hired to come into a church, and the people loved him, and he preached a powerful message. And the first Sunday after he was hired and coming to the church, the first Sunday he came in, he preached the exact same message. And the people thought, wow, that was awesome. It was so good. You know, we wanted to hear it again anyway. Well, the next week he came back and he preached the exact same message. This went on for about six or eight weeks. And the board was getting a little concerned, said, we hired this guy. Does he only have one message? Does he get anything else from God? And so one day, one of the board members decided to call a board meeting, call a church-wide meeting, and and said, uh, brought the pastor up before the board and before the church and said, pastor, we love you. You are so uh, charismatic. You are so uh, knowledgeable in God's Word. But frankly, can we ask you, do you have another message? And the pastor looked at him just like y'all looking at me. And the pastor said, yeah, I got lots of messages. You just ain't got that one yet. The enemy is dangling temptation. And as the Lord's return gets closer, He's going to be dangling more and more and more. Stuff that you haven't even thought you'd heard about in forever. Where did that come from? The same place it always came from. 
The devil has no new bag of tricks, just a new bag of fools. And so the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that bag is full of all that stuff that he has sized us up with. Are you with me? And so we think that we've got that behind us only until the devil runs out of things in his bag and then he reaches and grabs old faithful again. That's why the Bible says to lay aside every weight and the sin. There's that one thing that we give into. So I, I was looking at that message and I'm thinking, okay, this is just going to be a standalone. But then God said, no, I got some more I want you to say. And so this Sunday, I, I, I kind of added to that. And I, I want to just quickly and very succinctly take you into a message that I've titled, Do You Really Believe What You Say You Believe? The Bible says that in the last days there will be terrible times. Men will become lovers of themselves, proudful, disobedient to parents, ungodly, and all, all the different things that you find in 2 Timothy as it's outlining that. And I'm not going that direction with today's message, but I am going with the understanding that in the last days there will be terrible times. And part of those terrible times is the reason that we are told in Hebrews chapter 10 to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as you see that day approaching. Because the spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says, is rampant. What is he talking about? He's talking about there is going to be so much temptation, testing, different things that the enemy is going to do. And as we get into this morning's text, it's going to all challenge if you, rather, if you really believe what you say you believe. Your pastor also, inside this message, if you've already read through your notes, you're going to see, I'm going to talk about me too. Are you all okay this morning? Last week we unveiled some of Satan's greatest strategies when it comes to temptation. How it works, why we give in, and what we need to do to not give in. But today I want to look at a more sinister reality and reason that many don't truly get delivered in order to live a victorious Christian life which is simply another type of bait the enemy uses. And this bait is not even initiated by him. And I want you to underline this last line that I put in your notes this morning. But rather, what? Our own blindness. Helen Keller said, what's worse for a, man, for a man than to be born blind is to have sight and have no vision. I posted something in, on Facebook the other day, and it was with a, a, a uh, little thing that, that Will posted, a little picture. Uh, and I can't remember exactly how it was worded, but it was a, uh, a statement that was in there. And I posted this this, this comment, and I want to read it to you. The one who can't see but tries is still better off than the one who won't see and denies. The one who can't see and tries is still better off than the one who won't see and denies. 
So let's jump right into this. Did you ever wonder, as you're reading through the Scriptures, did you ever wonder why the most biblically astute people, the Pharisees, rejected Jesus as Messiah? Just because Jesus was fulfilling Scripture, doing miracles, that they knew the Bible talked about, why did the Pharisees get so mad? Now, I want you to hear this because I'm going to very succinctly take you from, from top to bottom, front to back, side to side, and I'm going to help us to look at ourselves. Because I, in putting this message together, I'm looking at me. In putting this message together, I'm looking at the church of Jesus Christ. Not just victorious life. I'm talking about the body of Christ. The Pharisees knew God. At least they believed they knew God. Yet, I want to ask this question. Could it be the lens of their tradition and laws let what they believe refute what God's Word says? You and I have beliefs. You and I have ideas and aspirations and ambitions and desires and plans. But what happens if they're juxtaposed to what God's Word says? Who wins? Let me read it again. The Pharisees, the most astute of biblical scholars of the day, could it be that they got so mad at Jesus, even though they know the Word of God says He's going to do, the Messiah is going to do this, 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 and this? Why did they get so mad at Him? Could it be that the lens of their tradition and laws, what they believed, now refuted God's Word and what it said? Mark chapter 8. I'm not going to, all of us not going to be on the screen. I'm just putting some segments up there. But I'm reading verses 15 through 27. And I'm going to highlight these things that are on the screen. Jesus charged them, said, take, be, uh, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Interesting conversation. That word leaven, you can actually just put in there sin as a synonymous word. And you can put right next to it the one word definition for sin, and that is rebellion. That's all sin is, is refuting God's word. It's rebelling against what God said. Am I making sense? So if you want to put a one word definition for, rebel for sin, just put rebellion. Right next to that word leaven, because that's what he's talking about here. Listen to what he says here. And they reasoned among themselves. Now think about it. Jesus is talking to the 12 disciples who have been with him almost since the beginning of his ministry. And look what he says here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And immediately the, the disciples said, is it because we didn't bring any bread? See, a lot of times 
we try to rationalize and justify what God has clarified. God's Word is pretty clear. And when it's not going the way we think it is supposed to, or it's not going the way we want it to, all of a sudden we start rationalizing, justifying. Well, it can't be God then. Or if it is going the way that we want it to, and it's different than God's Word, well, God must understand what I need. You all are looking at me like I'm speaking Greek today. He said, is it because we have no bread? Once you all, thank you, Will. Y'all can shout, take your time anytime you want to. Mr. Hensley called me this morning, and he's usually out here saying, uh, shouting, take your time and preach it and, and so on and so forth. And, and I tell people all the time, saying amen to a preacher, pre- preachers like saying, sick them to a dog. So uh, you, you, you just shout it out. The more, the, more, the more you shout it out, the sooner we get done. I just thought I'd have 15 people shout out, praise the Lord. <laughs> but think about it. So he called me this morning, Pastor, and he's, his voice is all broken. He said, Pastor, I'm sick in bed. And you know, if Hensley's not in church, you know he's either working or sick because he never misses church. And so we only, y'all want to pray for Hensley this morning. Look what he says here. Is it because we got no bread? And what did Jesus respond to them and say, do you guys not yet perceive and understand, and I want you to underline this because I left in your notes, are your hearts still hardened? Is your heart still hardened? I've been with you how long? And you, Okay, look what he says here. Having eyes, don't you see? Having ears, haven't you heard? And then immediately he says, don't you remember the five loaves? I fed thousands with the five loaves, and I brought back 12 basketfuls just to show you guys, hey, I can take care of thousands, and I can take care of you. And then he goes on and says, don't you remember the 4,000 and how you brought up seven basketfuls left? He said, the issue is not whether you have bread or not. I can take care of thousands just speaking to it. And I can complete it. That's what the picture of the seven baskets means. I am your complete sustenance. You need nothing else. And he said to them, how is it you still don't understand? We have God's Word. We've seen God's Word. We know God's Word. The Pharisees better than anybody. And he said, guys, don't give in to their sin to their rebellion where they're trying to make something I've said and done different than what's happening. Then he came to Bethesda, and they brought to him a blind man that begged him to touch him. Listen to this. Listen to what's saying here. So he took the blind man, and he led, them out of, led him out of town. There's a picture here. He's doing all of this in front of the disciples alone. Do you know why? They're the ones taking the hope to the world. Not the thousand on the periphery, but the handful in the middle. Look what he says here. And he said he spit in his eyes, put his hands on him, and when he asked him what he saw, he said, I see men like trees walking around. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus ever need to pray twice for something? 
He did here. What was this all about? Remember that eyes to see, you can't see? Ears to hear, you can't hear? He said, can't you understand? You know what Jesus is doing right here? He's showing them them. He said, you guys are believing halfway. I listened to little Miss Tandy when she told me what she wanted to share. I said, I'm liking it because she's all the way. And God wants us to understand the devil's dangling the bait out there to just take us halfway. And if we'll follow that, oh, come a little further, follow, oh, just a little further, follow, just a little further, follow. Anybody going just a little further? You know what God wants you to say? Jump in, the water's fine. Trust me, believe me, follow me, yield to me. And then he laid his hands on him again. The man was completely restored. It wasn't because Jesus was halfway healing. It's just that the disciples were halfway believing. Remember I was talking about the body of Christ? Especially as that day is approaching, what do we really believe? Do we really believe what we say we believe? Because the enemy is going to challenge that halfway mark. He's going to challenge that almost there. He's going to challenge, well, you know, I, I go to church because my wife goes. Well, fine. She's going to heaven. You're going to hell. Pastor, you can't say that. Sure I can. If I'm coming to church for any other reason than Jesus, shout amen there, Frank, would you? Amen. Folks, at the bottom line of it all, do you really believe? See, last week we talked about how the, how the bait is there, and the bait never goes away. All the devil's looking for, what, what flavor do you like so I can get you to bite? And if he can keep you halfway, he got you all the way. Now, this ain't popular preaching, folks. Do you still love me? Look what he concluded this passage with. And this is not where the, the message concludes, but this is where the passage. He took the disciples after the man was healed, and he took them all the way to Caesarea Philippi. You know why he took them to Caesarea Philippi? At the time, it was the most religious stronghold in all of the Bible area. Statues galore. I mean, monuments, idols, everything. Caesarea Philippi. Guess who it's named after? Caesar. And guess who you got to worship in Caesarea besides Athena, besides all the other gods and goddesses? He took them there, and then he said, guys, and I want you to look at me. Get your eyes off your notes for a second. Get your eyes off your notes and look at me, please. He took them to Caesarea Philippi, and he asked them a question. Who do people say that I am? He said, I want to see what you're believing. Who do people say that I am? And then I left it out. But this is what we get so enamored with. We only go halfway because if I go all the way, people are going to think I'm a radical. I'm a Jesus freak. But you're one of those kind of Christians. Is there a different kind of Christian? In this world, there is. 
Are you with? You didn't turn my mic off, did you, Kathy? Okay, good. Are you with me out there? Who do people say that? He, see, what Jesus was asking them, do you really believe what you say you believe? The devil's dangling. And the problem is we're nibbling. Oh, we haven't fully bit. I got this. I can handle this. There's the truth. And I left this in your notes, so look at it, please. There's the truth, and this is it. People will see what they want to see. People will hear what they want to hear. And people will do what they want to do, no matter what God's Word says. The hardest thing to unmake is a made-up mind. If it's what they want or all they've ever known, the Pharisees, Messiah has never shown up before. All we've ever known is just what the Word of God says. When I see the Word of God living in front of me, it ain't quite the way I thought it was going to be. Am I making any sense today, folks? So let me continue here. Until... We choose to believe God's word and God's way. They'll always be lost in their own way following someone else's word. And I left it bold there for you. What's it say? Satan doesn't have to deceive you. He's got deceivers out there that keep us deceived. Who do people say? How far into this water do I have to go? How deep of a step do I have to make? A am I making any sense today, ladies and gentlemen? Many walk in darkness thinking they already see simply because they don't want to see. Many walk in darkness thinking they already see. Before Jesus healed the blind man, you know what Jesus was doing? Before Jesus was, was doing all these different things and he took the disciples aside alone, you know what he was doing? He was in the temple with the Pharisees. He was in the temple with the curious. He was laying out to all the people why they should believe and why they should follow him. You know what Jesus was doing? He's saying, guys, here's the word of God. Let me show it a little bit better. Here's the word of God. Jesus stood right before them. And he said, you see me. You see what's happening. You see the miracles. You see what Moses taught. You don't just read it. You're actually seeing it. And he's, he's sitting there, and he's trying to help them get it all figured out. But today, because we think we already see, we think, well, you know, if, if it hasn't happened the way that it should, well, that's okay. God understands. I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other thing. Well, what's God's Word say? Well, it doesn't matter. God is an evolving God. 
God is up to date. God is up to time. God is always changing. My Bible says God never changes. My Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My Bible says you better lay down your life if you expect me to take it up. Can you say amen? But the devil walks around dangling all of these temptations. Let me show you the persuasion that Jesus said out there. Throughout his word, he said, guys, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. I made a third party up there and put a first party here. Look what it says here. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus said, the Father confirms who I am. Jesus says that of himself. People say, well, the Bible never says that Jesus calls himself God. What do you think all these passages say? Jesus said he never sinned, ever. And he said, because of that, I'm going to be the judge of every soul that ever lived. Because he is God. Are you with me? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? See, yet no matter what he said and the proofs he offered, the miracles he did, or even the witnesses he called on that firsthand experienced, you know what happened? The religious elite and most in the crowd rejected him. No matter what Jesus did, no matter what Jesus had already done, it wasn't enough. They rejected him. Why? Go ahead, ask me. I'm glad you asked. John chapter 8, verse 37, look what it says here. You're looking to kill me. Why were they looking to kill him? What's it say? Because there is no room for his word. You see, folks, when we don't like what God's word says at a church, we just go find another church. When we don't like what God's word says in his Bible, we just find a different translation. Oh, you can find a translation, say whatever you want. Folks, if you incline, they even have one called the Queen James now. I'm serious as a heart attack. Folks, you can find. He said there was no room for his word. John 8, 37. And then Jesus even gets a little more blunt. If you go down to the 42nd and 33rd verse, look what he says here. If God were your father, you'd love me because I came from God. Why don't you understand what I say? And then he reiterates it. Because you do not want to hear my word. Folks, can, can, I, can I be, can I be, can, I'm going to be, I should probably not even ask, but I can't. Do you know all I have to do is change the programming of this church a little bit? We have an incredible worship team. If we get a few more lights, a little smoke, 
some lasers. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. I'm not trying to put one down or lift another. But, folks, can I tell you something? It's the distraction we call attraction. Folks, there's only one attraction, and his name's Jesus. And if that's not the attraction, then we're in a church of distraction. And nothing else. Look what the Word of God says. You don't want my Word. It comes down to this, and it's on your screen, folks. Blind people who know they are blind, you know what they're looking for? Light. If they're blind because of this world, and they say, I know there's something more. I'm looking to find out what it is. But blind people who think they can see, believe, they already have the light, and they're not seeking it. You see, what I said a few moments ago there in that passage or in that, in that example is Satan lets the deceived deceive. That's why the Word of God says there in Timothy that I talked about terrible times will come. People will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, wanting to hear what they want to hear. I, I was teaching on Wednesday night. We're going through the book of Revelation. Oh, you do not want to miss revelation that we're teaching on Wednesday night because I'm taking you into the nuts and bolts, why the book was written, how come the book is laid out the way it's about, but I'm also going to take you in all the stuff that you ain't going to be seeing because we get out of here. But we're going through there, and can I tell you, you want to read the entire Bible in miniature, read the book of Isaiah, 66 chapters of Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. You know what Isaiah starts with? The creation. You know what the Isaiah ends with? The return. The new heavens and the new earth. It's the Bible in miniature. You know in the book of Isaiah, the Bible says the time is coming where they're going to tell the prophets, we don't want to hear God's word. We want to hear what we want to hear. This is where we're at in today's society. In a couple of weeks, we're going to get into the church, the churches of Revelation. And we're going to teach you how this is more relevant to seven different church ages. But I digress. Blind people who think they already see, people who really don't know what they believe, but they believe the next latest thing that comes along, they're not looking for God. They're not looking for truth. They're not looking for deliverance. They're looking for what they're looking for. Can somebody say amen? amen. The one who can't see but tries is still better off than the one who won't see and denies. Quickly this morning, number two, the way out of blindness, the way out of blindness can I say it again? The way out of blindness is very simply obeying God's Word. How do we know if we're blind to the truth or walk in it? How do we know that we really believe what we say we believe? Okay? Before I give you the answer, let me give you the problem. The reality is, is that everyone follows something. My wife and I were raised in Catholicism, hardcore Catholicism. She was more hardcore than me. She went all through parochial school and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? They told us what to believe. And we believed what we wanted to believe anyway, but they told us this is what you're supposed to believe. 
And we were in, enamored in tradition, philosophy, different things regarding the church. People will follow something, traditions, philosophy, intuition. Now let me bring you to 2018, popular culture. Do you know that most of the church growth gurus today tell you how that you need to change to adapt to the popular culture? And part of the change, don't be so big about this. Don't be so big about God's Word. What else do we have? What else do we have? So are you all okay if I don't go to a lot of the church growth seminars? Matter of fact, I haven't gone to any of them. I know how to grow a church. Jesus said, those that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. He said, if you believe the truth, the truth will set you free. That's what I need for church growth. Can somebody say amen? amen. Popular culture, some formula for success or person or people. The acid test of discipleship, how do I know if I really believe what I say I believe? My life lines up with this book. You say, well, pastor, I can't be perfect. No place in the book says be perfect. You want to know an imperfect person? He was the one that God said was a man after his own heart. I've shared with the people. I shared it in our uh, men's class. I've shared many, many times over the years. David made more mistakes on purpose than he did on accident. Here is the litmus test, John 8, 31. If you keep and obey my, my commandments, you are my disciples. Oh, excuse me. If you keep and obey what? My word. my word. You are my disciples. Litmus test number two, 1 John 2, 3. We can be sure we know him if we... Oh, you said that reservedly. If we... His teaching... Litmus test three. You say, Pastor, there's only three? No, there's probably about 30,000 I could have gave you. 1 John 5, 2 and 3. This is the way we know we love God's children. It is when we love God and His Word. Jesus said the problem with the Pharisees and the problem with the disciples, my Word was challenging them. Folks, I'm not talking about intellectual knowledge now, but knowing God by experiencing God. Living life as Jesus did. How did Jesus did? He said, I don't do anything of myself. Everything I do, I ask the Father. When's the last time you asked the Father about your daily activity? When's the last time you asked your Father about your decision on work? When's the last time you asked the Father about the decision about the relationship you're wanting to be in or you're currently in? Man, every time I'm with him or her, man, I'm always getting down. Maybe you need to get out. <laughs> Pastor, you're meddling. I meddle real good because God's Word does. God says don't be unequally yoked. People say, what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Come, gentlemen. Okay, let me see here. Okay, you sit down. Frank, 
nothing personal there. I'm trying to get a, a height difference. Okay? I represent a yoke. A yoke is a connector between two animals. That's what a yoke is. So what happens? Frank is tall. Will is small. It's okay. Not quite as tall would be more uh, politically correct. Okay? So what happens? Frank is taking these long steps, and Will is taking short steps. Okay? So let's, let's try to, you take the long steps, you take the short steps. Go ahead. What's happening? Yeah, but the problem is Frank's yoked up to him, and who's getting held back? Frank is. Because we unequally yoke ourselves together, you know what happens? One of us get held back from where God plans us to be or completely pulled back to where the devil wants us to be. You know what God says to do? Thank you. (laughs) You hear what he said? Get rid of the little guy. Get rid of the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what you get rid of. Now, look at these guys. Now, they start stepping. Go ahead, guys, step. Just smoothly yoked together. Go ahead, turn around. There. Look at that. Just smoothly yoked together. Same direction, same abilities, same hearts, same desires. And guess what? Same direction. They got one plan, one purpose, one goal, and they are equally yoked together. Thank you, guys. You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says? How many know what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm abiding by this. The Word says, the Bible says, my yoke is easy. If you're yoked up with something, it isn't going to be holding you back or pulling you down. It is going to help you propel forward. My burden is light. If you're carrying something that God intended you to carry, you're not going to, I don't know if I can make it. Yes, you can. Because God structured it for you. Amen? We're going to stop there. And I'm going to sing a song for you. You guys okay with that? Can I have some floor monitors? Are they set, Bill? Thank you. Unmute. Okay. Is it working? Are you all okay if I pick this up in a couple weeks? Okay, three of you said yes. Okay, how about six more? There's a lot of us that are trying to believe what we want to believe. And ladies and gentlemen, I love you too much to not tell you the truth. You can't believe what you want to believe. You got to believe what God's Word tells you to believe. I got one amen. You got to believe what God's word tells you to believe. This song that I'm going to sing talks about a guy that 
You know, he wanted to do everything right. He wanted to do everything that he thought was correct. And God said, no, there's nothing about thinking it's correct. It's knowing it's correct. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except how? By me. Folks, the church didn't make that, that statement. Religion didn't make that statement. Christianity didn't make that statement. Jesus made that statement. So I want you to listen to the words, and maybe this song describes a little bit about where you are right now. Could you give me a little more, please? I could talk for hours about His coming, but the louder that I speak, I just grow deaf against His call. A little more voice. And I could pray for years. I could bind my ills and my fears and even believe I have the answer to it all. But you know what? When it's all been said and when it's all been done, He's going to ask you, did you go my way? And did you know my son? When it's all been said, and when it's all been done, he'll ask you, did you find your way within my son? You see, I could sing his praise, and I could even tithe my life away and build a church that stands much taller than the rest. And let me tell you something. I could even speak a language that only few could understand. Stand on the street corner and tell the world that my way is the best. But this truth will ring out. When it's all been said, when it's all been done, he's going to ask you one thing. Did you go my way? And did you know my son? When it's all been said, when it's all been done, he'll ask you, did you find your way within my son? When the time arrives to leave behind this earthly life and go before the God that called my soul to be, will you answer, Lord, I knew your will and I walked your way? And I lived a life that caused another man to see. You can spend your time turning tricks for all mankind. Trying to measure up to this, that, or the other thing. Trying to find some kind of reward. But a wiser man is he that knows what he really believes and doesn't put value in this old life but in Jesus Christ his Lord. Because when it's all been said and when this old life is done all that's going to matter is one thing. Did you go my way? Jesus, did you go my way? And did you know my son? 
Because when it's all been said, and when it's all been done, he's going to ask you, did you find your way within my son? Did you find your way within my son? Do you really believe what you really believe is based in God's only son? If it is, you'll find your way within God's son. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.